This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Yeah. Today, we have a very special guest with us. I'm super excited. Uh, been trying to get this arranged for a, for a, a week or so, um, but it, here we are. We have, uh, again, very special guest. Um, in, in fact, uh, I actually was in Japan um, in 2012. We were in uh, Okinawa, and uh, so I was there for a, uh, a work-related uh, thing, um, but, you know, just really fell in love with the culture there. Um, you know, they're surprisingly nice, um, you know, and just so I'm excited to hear your story, brother. So we have uh, Reverend uh, Brent Potts with us. Very excited. Uh, would you just tell the listeners briefly about you, uh, where you currently serve and what God's doing? Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you for the opportunity. And of course, uh, I want to thank the Lord for connecting us. Um, but yeah, my name's uh, Brett Potts. I currently serve in uh, Zanesville, Ohio, uh, under my lead pastor, Jim Henderson, uh, here at this church, uh, just kind of doing uh, some positions such as preaching, teaching, uh, occasionally helping out with anything I really can until I can get back to the field. Um, I actually just got back from Alaska. I spent the last six months up there helping uh, one of the pastors in Eagle River uh, build a Bible study ministry program. So I was equipping and uh, kind of doing what your your podcast says to do, equip, encourage, and empower individuals to uh, teach Bible studies in their community. And I'm very happy to report that we had 14 successful Bible study teachers graduate from our program, and they've already seen at least uh, a dozen or so families added to the church up there uh, from the Bible study teachers that have uh, gone out and done the work. And uh, that's, uh, that's a great thing to do is to see a church increase and, and just know that, uh, hey, I didn't even have to you know, do all those Bible studies. I enabled people to do those Bible studies, and that's really what uh, the goal of, you know, any believer should be. Uh, so and, uh, a real quick question. Uh, the Bible mm-hmm. study program that you uh, went through uh, with these um, ministers or these uh, saints um, that then went and dis- dispersed or did their held their own Bible studies, um was there a specific uh, a program or a specific uh, Bible study that you utilized, or was it something that you folks or that you had put together um, aside from anything that's already been, you know, published? Um, so we actually uh, really tailored the Bible studies to the, uh, you know, the the study ease um, desire, whatever they need to study. But as far as what we did for the training program. Um, we actually put together our own little uh, training program notes and whatsoever, and I can't take uh, full credit for that myself. The mastermind behind that is Reverend Derek Seagraves, uh, the pastor that I worked with up in uh, Alaska, and uh, he's just a phenomenal uh, strategist, phenomenal guy, um, really just a credit to, to any type of structure strategically that you want to do. He's really, really building a growing church up there. So uh, I have to give him, you know, credit where, where credit's due on that. He definitely did a fantastic idea of putting all those ideas into that study. Um, I, uh, I'm not so good on the strategy part of things myself. But, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we worked hard and we, uh, we put together a program and it produced uh, about 14 teachers. So uh, praise God. Amen. Very exciting. I love hearing about, you know, the just, just, just different ways that uh, the, the people of God are, are together 
um, just getting getting the gospel out there and, and really uh, every avenue, every aspect. Uh, and and for me, one thing I think is important, and I I, I don't want to say that it hasn't been done in the past, uh, but I don't think that there was a focus um, on you know what we're talking about today in in enabling you know the next generation with the proper knowledge not just you do it because i said so but we do this because this is what the bible says and i can show you where to find it in scripture i can teach you the precepts the concepts the principles so then you are empowered to take that same knowledge and share it and grow you know grow your local church uh, grow in your personal walk with God. And so you have all these different things that I think uh, over the last maybe, you know, decade or so that uh, really was neglected. And I think, at least here in Maine, there was a high um, percentage of uh, young people, even from my own youth group, that just don't live for God today. Um, because I don't think that they had been instilled with those laws, those principles um, that empowered them to live godly lives. So very exciting to hear that, that uh, you know, what God's doing um, there in, in, in Alaska, but also, uh, you know, um, utilizing your gifts as well to help in, encourage and empower and equip them. Um, all that aside, I'm very excited to hear about this this process that has led uh, to your heart for Japan mission. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and give you the floor, and you can just, uh, you know, if, if 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 you feel the pause for a moment or, or you know whatever, we'll just obey the Lord and we'll see what the Lord will do. So you have the floor, sir. Amen. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. So um, a little bit of family history, first of all. So uh, Japan actually has a very interesting connection to to my family. Um, from what I've uh, what I've been told by my grandma is that it was her great grandmother, so it'd be my great great grandmother, uh, that actually felt the pull towards Japan first. And I'm a fifth generation apostolic. Uh, my family's been in this five generations, so uh, she kind of felt the pull towards the islands first. Um, to to my knowledge, I don't think she ever visited the islands, but she felt you know that pulling. Sometimes we can feel burdens and such. Um, you know, it's uh, different from your calling, but. Um, that kind of led into, uh, you know, her getting married and so on, having kids. Well, it would be my my grandma's sisters of my great aunt that actually would marry uh, a missionary. So she married my uncle Paul Dennis, and uh, he was one of the uh, one of the first, um, I believe, one of the first uh, U UPCI missionaries uh, to the islands there. And uh, he spent the better part of Oh man, almost 30 years, uh, you know, just serving the Lord overseas and, and doing things, not only in Japan, but all across Asia. Uh, he started out in Japan and uh, on Okinawa, actually, uh, himself. And uh, uh, eventually he uh, got into uh, doing the, uh, being over the Asia military uh, district, so working with the, the soldiers. And that took him all across Asia, all across the world. Uh, just did a phenomenal work. Um, so I always grew up with, uh, you know, kind of, kind of this, uh, my heroic missionary uncle, you know, and him coming home and telling stories and stuff. Uh, so that always stuck with me. Um, but I didn't actually have a real, um, I guess defined interest in Japan. Um, you know, a lot of kids, uh, the young people will be 
into like uh, some Japanese forms of entertainment. There's the anime and the, and the manga comics and that stuff. And that's like, oh man, I want to go to Japan and see all my favorite characters and whatever. Uh, so I never really, uh, never really was that big on like the country itself. Uh, but that all changed in uh, 2009. I attended a North American Youth Congress. Um, it's a giant youth gathering put on by the UBCI uh, twice a year. And uh, youth from all around the globe have come, actually. So, you know, North American. <laughs> but they come from all around the globe. And um, I remember I remember not a lot of details. Uh, like I said, it's almost been, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, but, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's been over 10 years, actually. Wow. Man, time flies. But um, I, I do remember one distinctive night. And I think it was the uh, the Friday night service. I remember that uh, the Word of God was delivered by the preacher. I believe it was uh, Brother Josh Carson uh, gave the Word, a uh, really powerful message on just uh, what, what God desires for our lives and how we can put our own plans in His hands and really just kind of trust Him with our lives. Uh, so I, you know, I was moved, moved by the Spirit, so I was praying kind of in a prone position laying on the floor. And um, I was praying really hard, probably one of the times I've prayed the hardest. And um, I just kind of heard this noise that sounded like my name, you know. So I kind of look up, and no one's around me. No one's even near me. They're all praying for my cousin. So I was like, okay, all right. So I bury my head again. I was like, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you, what do you want me to do with my life? Because I had plans myself. Of like, I was, I was in sports in high school, so I wanted to go, you know, college to, uh, you know, do track, track and field. That's what I want to do, run. Um, so I was like, all right, Lord, help me, you know, help me, help me focus here on what you want me to do. So uh, the best way I can explain it is, um, I believe it was, a, it was a vision from the Lord, and I've never really had. An experience close to this again so I definitely know it's one of those defining moments but uh, all those sound of music sound of people it just faded it sounded like a water crashing on a shore like if you're at the beach where waves are just coming in the shore going in and out the tide and uh, I saw this uh, this vision of these islands I didn't know what they were I'm not big on geography I'm still not <laughs> I have to use GPS to get to locations sometimes around my own town so <laughs> Um, you know, and, uh, I just heard a, a still small voice, really simple, uh, go, you know, and, uh, it kind of, kind of shook me. I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe it's time to go. So I look up again, you know, no, everyone's still praying for my cousin. Uh, you know, I didn't know if maybe someone said, Hey, it's time to go. And I just caught the last bit of go. Uh, but, uh, so I was like, all right, well, that was weird, you know? So I bury my head again and start praying again. And after a couple minutes, um, you know, the vision starts again. And the voice comes back one strong, and it's, it's not very soft this time. It's just a strong, medium-toned voice, and it's like, go. I was like, all right, Lord, where? You know, and the islands became a little more, uh, I, I guess, uh, defined in my mind. And so that stuck with me uh, all the way till we got to the, the church van uh, to go somewhere to eat, because, like, good apostolics, we're going to go eat after a great church service, you know. <laughs> it's what we do. Uh, it must be, uh, must be somewhere... You know, uh, written down in the in the doctrine of the Bible. <laughs> um, but uh, I got on uh, my friend's phone because back then I didn't have a, I didn't have a, a phone with internet. Uh, I had a phone that I could call my dad after practice. That's what I had. 
so I checked on my friend's uh, smartphone, and uh, the islands, sure enough, were were Japan. So I carried that with me for oh, close to uh, I'd say about eight or so months before I actually went to ask my pastor and talk to him about it. And um, when I talked to him about it, he said he's like, oh, okay, well, he's like, you know, he's like, uh, keep praying about it and keep doing the work here. You know, and when, when you reach, because uh, in order to go on Apostolic Youth Corps within the UPCI, uh, you have to be 16, I believe, is like the earliest age. So he's like, just, you know, keep working on it, and we'll, we'll talk about AYC when you get old enough. So, um, you know, well, like, like a good teenager, I kind of put it in the back of my mind and started focusing on school and sports and, uh, uh, you know, uh, girls. <laughs> so, um, it kind of just faded to one of those things where I was like, oh, well, maybe that was just me, you know, kind of a deal. And it came around to my senior year of high school. And uh, my senior year of high school, I just, you know, I really thought things were kind of going my way. I got a scholarship to run for a, uh, a non-denominational Christian university. Uh, they were going to, you know, pay uh, a certain amount of money to me. I don't remember the, the amount. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, so I was really excited. And... Um, I went to the the uh, 2013 Youth Congress, and I was like, uh, okay, you know, I'm going to, this is going to be great, do college, whatever, and uh, I get a phone call from my parents, and they say that, hey, we uh, we can't send you to, you know, to the school, a higher Christian university was the name of the uh, the institution, but uh, we can't, uh, we can't send you there, um, you know, it's, uh, it's too much money, my dad had, uh, contacted a flesh-eating disease, um, and it took his uh, right right foot from him. So uh, there was a lot of medical expenses and stuff like that that uh, just we needed the money for, you know, and I, I couldn't go to college. Um, so I was, you know, heartbroken. My, my dream was crushed right there, <laughs> you know. Right. So my, my parents decided to urge me to go to Indiana Bible College. Well, I did not want to go to Indiana Bible College. Uh, you know, it was... I, that was not what I wanted. Um, so uh, my dad's like, well, he's like, you can just go to a community college here. And I was like, no, no, I want to go away for school. I want to go somewhere else. Like, I don't want to stay in Zanesville, you know, um, this stuff. So finally, they reluctantly talked me into it. And I forgot all about even going to sign the application and all that. Uh, but they had made arrangements. And ultimately, the Lord had made the arrangements for me to be able to go because application deadline was closed. But they'd called the school, and the school said if I could meet with a uh, uh, brother Chris Henderson there and uh, talk to him, that he'd help me with the application and did all that. But I just put it out of my mind. I was like, I'm done. God doesn't want me to run. Like he, I, I was kind of mad at God at the moment. <laughs> you know how you get there sometimes. And um, my be- uh, my best friend at the time, childhood best friend. Uh, came up to me and he's like, dude, I heard that you're going to Indiana Bible College too. This is awesome. Like, we're going to go to the same school. Like, we can room together, you know? And I was like, oh, I am. Yay, you know, with uh, not real enthusiastic about it. But uh, long story short, I went, um, you know, my first year. And I kept telling everyone, like, you can even ask my classmates. Like, I, I kept telling everyone, I'm only going to be here a year. I'm only going to be here a year. One year, two years tops, and then I'm gone. I'm done. You know, I'm not doing this Bible College thing. And um, I kind of stuck to that uh, that commitment, you know, uh, all the way up through my sophomore year. And then at the end of my sophomore year, I went home for, uh, I believe it was uh, spring break. And I met, with, I met up with an old friend, 
that uh, I had met when I was in high school doing track and field. And uh, we went to the track, just ran together. And I had asked my friend, you know, like, I'm really upset I wanted to run in college. And all of all of my high school friends were in sports in college. And it just kind of made me feel left out, you know. Well, this, this individual, I won't use their name or any identifiables just to protect them. But uh, they... Uh, they are not particularly religious, uh, they say, but they said the, the most interesting thing to me. Uh, she said, um, you know, maybe, maybe God had me on a different path than the one I'd planned for myself, uh, because he had something, you know, greater in, in store for me, uh, than what, uh, everyone else was going to do, you know, from high school. And I was just kind of like, huh, okay. So I decided to continue on with IBC. And I went the next two years, um, you know, graduated, obviously. But uh, my junior year, I kind of went back in that first semester. I was like, all right, God, if this is where you want me to be, I'm going to put my whole self into this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put everything I have into uh, this Bible college. So I started working harder in class and getting involved in clubs and preaching out and all the stuff that you can do. And, uh, you know, it came to me... Um, in one of my missions uh, classes, that my uh, missions professor, Brother Robert K. Rodenbush, a great legendary missionary, has opened tons of places in Europe uh, in Russia, just fantastic missionary. And um, he came to me and he's like, you're supposed to be in Japan, aren't you? And this is just me and him in his, in his office one day because I just like to talk to him. And I was like, well, I had this idea to try to go to Japan, you know, like a long time ago or whatever and stuff and um actually one piece of the story i forgot is back in 2012 uh the uh at the time the supervising missionary over japan had called me randomly on the phone and uh he was like hey i know you i used to be uh, an associate missionary uh under your uncle and uh i want you to come with me this summer you know to japan on the ayc well that didn't work out it was just, uh, it was too short a time for me to raise the, the $5,000 or whatever it was I needed. But uh, anyway, back to the office and um, with the Brother Odenbush. And I was like, yeah, but I don't, I don't really know if that's something I can do right now. I'll have to do after graduation. He's like, well, he's like, tell you what. He's like, oh, make, make yourself a deal. I was like, all right, what, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, he's like, if you're really unsure about it, just go one mission trip. Take it over the summer. Go for two months. Just, you know, to take the money that you were saving that you could use to come back to school as it be about the same cost as, as a semester. It was like $5,000 for, for a two-month uh, mission trip. And um, he's like, take it, go on a mission trip, and see if that's where God wants you to be. If you don't feel confirmed in your calling, you can come back, drop out of IBC, and nothing's finished, you know, and go back to whatever whatever you were thinking you were going to do. I was like, okay, so I'm going to do that. So the process of getting on my first mission trip was just miraculous. I, I didn't really know uh, anything about missions or how to work within the, the the global mission structure that we have in the EPCI, which is just a fantastic um, network. And um, it just so happened that uh, I needed like, Oh, uh, probably somewhere like 2,000 more money at the end. I had like, I mean, 
months to go before I was supposed to be on a plane, you know, and I'm like, Lord, I'm trusting you. So I drove home for a weekend to be at this spaghetti dinner that uh, one of the, the church uh, saints had put on a good friend of my mom's um, for me. So I was there at the benefit and, you know, people are buying spaghetti and giving money and whatever. And so at the, at the money, we counted up a thousand dollars, you know, I was like, okay, I just need a thousand more. I was like, well, maybe I can, you know, just post my PIM around. That's a partner's admissions form. And uh, maybe I can get, you know, a lot of um, support that way. Um, so I'm driving back to school that evening. It was a four-hour drive. So I'm just talking to the Lord, listening to music, you know, uh, trying to just get, get back to school. And my mom calls me. And she's, like, crying. And I'm like, Mom, is everything okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. She's like, Pastor took up an offering tonight. And people just kept getting up and giving you money. So like they did so-and-so pledge $50 and then so-and-so would pledge 75 and then so-and-so made it a hundred and 120 and 150 and so on and so forth. And I was like, Oh my goodness, you know, this is incredible. And, uh, I was like, well, how, how, how much is totally raised? And she's like, well, that's the thing, Brett. She's like, your budget is raised. You, they raised over a thousand dollars that night in one one service. And at the time, my church was not uh, a predominantly huge church. Uh, we had somewhere around total eighty five members, uh, you know, somewhere around there at the time. Uh, so I had to pull over, <laughs> you know, on a on the side of the road there, and just just I was bawling. I was worshiping the Lord because I had no way of making it happen. And it was just an incredible, um, incredible testimony. Well, a junior year ended, and I went to Japan. I arrived in Japan. Uh, probably it would have been about uh, two weeks ago. If today's June 16th. Yeah, two weeks ago in 20, uh, 2016. And, um, you know, I, I really struggled with, uh, with being there uh, for, for a little bit. Because I wasn't sure where I fit in. You know, you're new. You go to a new church. You're kind of trying to figure out things. But um, it was when I went with a group of the, the young people from the church, uh, some of the young ministers, that um, I really fell in love with the island of Okinawa. And that's where I was. I was on Okinawa. And um, I was hanging out with these, uh, these people. And uh, one of my friends... Uh, uh, her name's Dorothy. I was talking with her and, uh, she's one of the missionary's daughters. And she was telling me that, you know, that, uh, the people of Japan, they just really need the Lord. Uh, they don't really know, uh, him at all. And, and it's very true. There's, there's a sense of, uh, just hopelessness that, uh, that you feel, um, you know, when you interact with them or when you're even just on certain places on the island, you can just feel that the whole, uh, demeanor of the nation per se is kind of the state of hopelessness like like they don't really have much to uh you know to live for and uh that's uh you know something i'll touch on uh you know later on but uh that that kind of smote me uh you know i was like oh man how can someone live with with without a feeling of, of, of hopelessness and fear and a feeling of you know how, how can someone live like that and then it hit me it's like well they don't know the hope of the world and that's jesus they don't they don't have that hope of the holy ghost that joy inside them and uh that kind of confirmed it to me that hey this is where you need to be 
So I went back home, you know, and I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going to Japan again. That <laughs> I will be there in 2018, a year after I graduate. That That is my commitment. So I went, graduated, and I worked very, very hard for the remaining months after graduation. So six months. And, uh, you know, in, in May of, oh, sorry, not May. In January of 2018, I returned to Okinawa. Uh, to work again with brother and sister Don for half a year. And, uh, I was, uh, just a fantastic time. And of course I had, I had multiple challenges. Uh, but one of the things that really, uh, really just impressed me to say that, yeah, I'm going to stay. This is where I need to be is one night I, um, uh, I went to, uh, I went to sleep and I had trouble sleeping. And uh, sometimes I have trouble sleeping. It's just, just my, you know, my circadian rhythm or whatever. And, um, I woke up and there was this, uh, the way I describe it, it was just like a presence, you know, uh, in the room there. And it wasn't, it wasn't God, <laughs> you know, I could feel that. And, uh, I was so tired, you know, cause we'd been, we'd been doing, uh, we had a week, week long revival with an evangelist from uh, Malaysia, uh, just great guy. And, uh, he was, and had all kinds of healings and testimonies coming from this revival. Uh, deaf people were getting their hearing back. Uh, we had a paralytic man literally had to be carried up the stairs to our sanctuary because it was on the second floor. And I mean, this guy could barely even stand when, when, you know, when Bishop, Bishop Doan asked him to stand for the reading of the word, and he even made an excuse and said, no, you can sit down, sir. Like you're, you're elderly. It's okay. Um, well, they prayed for him. That man, very, very slowly got up, started walking across the front and that walk turned into a sprint and he ended up running up and down the stairs before the end of service. It was just fantastic. <laughs> you know, and I was like, wow, this is stuff you read about in the book of Acts, but you don't always see in the States. And it was happening. Um, I got to, uh, see a, uh, a demon cast out for the first time. That was a different experience. <laughs> um, you know, for, for, for a, uh, let's see, I was 20, 22 at the time, 22, 23. And I was like, wow, that's, that's different. Um, so, but, um, this, this thing in the, in my bedroom there, it, uh, you know, it's kind of spoke in my mind. It's like, I'm the spirit of fear. Like you don't need to be here. You can't help them. You can't, you know, whatever. Well, I was so tired from this revival and just the, 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 you know, the work that we'd been doing. I just kind of looked at it. I was like, in Jesus name, go away. I have to sleep. God called me here and I'm not going to go until God says it's time to leave. So I rolled over and went to sleep. I woke up the next day. I went to, went to the office there and I told uh, Bishop Don about it. And he's like, well, praise God. He's like, good. He's like, that must mean your missionary material. And I was like, why? He's like, it's like every missionary on the island has faced that thing at least once. I was like, really? He goes, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a nasty guy. He's like, he's really annoying. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, all right then. Uh, you know, so, uh, my trip ended. I came home. Um, and, uh, it's really interesting. A gentleman I was teaching Bible study to, uh, by the name there, his name, uh, his, uh, his name he used was Corey. Um, I don't remember his Japanese name. But uh, Corey, uh, we'd been praying and praying for him to get the Holy Ghost. And Corey had been baptized. Uh, we baptized him. 
um, at, after the revival services. And uh, I've, been, I've been working with him, teaching him Bible studies, you know, back and forth. Me and another aimer were just trying to tag team him, trying to get this guy to get the Holy Ghost. And uh, he just, uh, you know, some either either not understanding on his part or overthinking it or something like that was holding him back. And I was just like, man, come on, Jesus, you know, just I, I know that you want to fill him. I know you do. Just whatever this stronghold is in Corey's life, you got to break. Uh, so the, when I landed, and this is no lie, the minute I landed back in Ohio to return from that trip, I got a text on my phone from my friend, uh, Sister Aikuniyoshi, who is one of the pastor's daughters, and she was like, hey, guess who just got the Holy Ghost? And she sent me a picture of Corey, and he's got his hands raised, and uh, you can see where his mouth is open, and she's like, he's he's speaking in tongues, and he's he's got the Holy Ghost. And I was like, praise God, you know? Amen. All my time with this man is not wasted. <laughs> So, so it was, uh, it was fantastic. Uh, but the, uh, the story from there gets, uh, just, if, if it didn't happen to me, I wouldn't believe it. Uh, but, uh, so I, I had to, uh, because of the immigration laws of Japan, since I'd been there for six months, I had to wait a full year, uh, before I could go back to the country. No problem. I am, uh, I thought to myself, Hey, you know, there's a full year. I can raise a budget and even stay in Japan much, much longer. So I just went back to work uh, at the factory I was working at and um, just started saving up money. Well, you know, 2020 hit us all square between the eyes with the whole COVID shutdowns. Uh, so I did not expect that. Um, so I got shut out of the country because Japan was closed borders, no one getting in, no one getting out kind of a thing. They were one of the strictest countries on that whole policy. And uh, I was in a place where I was like, oh, man. Like, I, I want to go to Japan, God, but now I can't. Uh, so what, what's your plan here? So I kind of was thrown in limbo for, you know, better half of two years almost to trying to figure out what in the world was, was going on. Well, during that time, it just so happened that um, I started having these, uh, these like, unexplainable pains in my chest. And uh, I'm not extremely old. I'm 28, so... Uh, at the time, I'd been 28, 27, 26, and uh, I was like, oh, God, what's going on? Because my family has a condition, a, a heart history condition of uh, heart condition, so I was kind of a little bit worried. And uh, I just kept going back to the doctor, and he's like, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Like, it's just it's, it's just anxiety, like, you're fine. And uh, that started to, you know, just get me worried because he's saying I'm fine, yet I'm still feeling these things. So one night, I just, I couldn't take it anymore, so I just started praying and praying and praying. I was like, God, God, you got to take this from me because I, I can't, I can't do this. I can't be worrying about my own health. If I'm going to be on the mission field someday, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, the Lord spoke to me in my spirit and he said, he's like, how hopeless you feel right now. That's where I need you to identify with, to identify with the Japanese, you know? So, when he said that to me, I had peace about it. I still felt the pains, but I, I did. I had peace about it. And it wouldn't be till some months later, when I just noticed one day that hey, I hadn't been feeling them anymore, and God had completely delivered me from that. Praise the Lord. So, but uh, 2020 wasn't done. <laughs> um, at the end of 2020, my my grandfather, who um, has a, been a minister my my whole life, you know he. 
Uh, he'd been a, a pastor, and uh, he he got uh, he got really sick with with some heart stuff and put him in the hospital. And uh, he just uh, his heart was too weak, uh, you know, to to keep going. So he he went on to be with the Lord. And uh, so that was a big loss to my family. Well, a week later, or sorry, a month later, my great uncle Paul Dennis, the missionary. Uh, passed away from uh, from a heart condition after contracting COVID-19, and uh, he went on to be with the Lord. So I lost two mentors, you know, in a very short amount of time. And uh, you'd think losing two people is, is enough, but I kind of felt like Job, uh, you know, uh, because in, in that spring, in April, uh, just a, a week after I had talked to Brother Doan and told him some life situations I was going through, and he's like, okay, I just focus on getting back to Japan, you know, and and stuff. He had ended his deputation early and went back to Japan because of the border situation, and he wanted to get back when he could. Uh, well, he was at a prayer meeting in Japan and suffered a massive heart attack and died. Uh, so I lost my missionary supervisor, you know, in that same year of losing my grandpa and my uncle. And uh, just just a week later, or two weeks two weeks to the day, my dad suffered a, a massive heart attack and he died. And uh, so I lost all those people, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty close in, uh, in succession. Well, that next year, you know, I, I suffered a difficult situation with a, with a friend I was rather close to, and it caused us to, to separate um, friendship-wise. And that, that was a blow, uh, you know, to me that I, uh, you know, I never really was able to understand why. But... Uh, I really came to identify with with how David uh, says in the Psalms that uh, you know uh, the Lord hath removed everyone from me <laughs> and it's me alone. So I kind of felt in that place, and I went to this uh, this missions conference, um, and it took me like five thousand dollars to go to it. It was in St. Louis at our 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 headquarters for the EPCI. It was a month long, and I told my mom I was like, uh, I think I need to go. I think I need to go. I need to be around other missionaries. I need to get, you know, just my mind back in a place to where I I, I feel like I know what God has called me to do again. And um, stuff. And she's like, well, she's like, it's going to take money from your, your missions account. And I was like, I, I know, but I think I have to do it. So I talked to my pastor and he said, well, he's like, I think you should go. I think it'll help you uh, get in the right mind frame mentally again. And emotionally to where you can do this. And, um, I think that you, uh, can use your missions money and, uh, it, it's, it's going to help you. So I went and I just put, you know, no, 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 no reservations. I just threw everything out there. I was like, all right, God, I'm going to this thing. I'm trusting you with everything. So I went not knowing anybody made a whole lot of great friends. They're still some of my closest friends in the world. I text, I text all of them pretty much uh, continually. And um, while I was there, God did some amazing things. We had some just great nights of prayer and training and equipping. But uh, one of the really, really interesting things that God did is he connected me with brother and sister Les Clevenger, who uh, were newly appointed missionaries in Japan. They had been aimers uh, with myself under Bishop Doan. And... Um, God had been kind of talking to me about, you know, like I still knew Japan was where I ultimately wanted to be, but now I didn't have a missionary. And I thought about going with uh, one of the other missionaries, but something just always kind of, kind of 
you know, held me back from it. Not that they're bad people or anything. Love them to death. I'm good friends with them, good friends with their kids. Uh, but uh, God was like, no, not them, you know, and uh, stuff. And uh, so I talked to the Clevengers, and he's like, well, he's like, uh, he's like, we weren't really planning on taking any aimers on immediately. I said, but um, he's like, let me pray about it, and I'll get back with you. So I let him, you know, let him alone. And I was talking to one of my friends there, whose name is Philip, and he's like, well, he's like, how about you just leave it alone for a week or two, and you let God sort it out? Because uh, I was always on Okinawa. I'd never been to mainland Japan, except for a couple trips for conferences and preaching and all that. But um, I'd never stayed on mainland. And the Clevengers were in Fukuoka, uh, which is a prefecture in mainland Japan. And uh, I was like, oh, I don't know the area. I don't know the culture of that area. Like, this is going to be really hard for me, you know. Well, it, uh, it was like two weeks left in the conference. And Brother Clevenger calls me and he's like, hey, we want to we wanna take you on as an aimer. And he's like, and uh, I, I want to help you achieve what, what you feel like uh, you want to do. And if that's being in Japan as a full-time missionary someday, uh, let's, let's do the steps that we need to get you there and help you uh, take care of that. So I was like, all right, awesome. You know, so that kind of, um, kind of revitalized me. I had, a, I had a host missionary again and I knew where I was going and I just uh, hit the ground running. So uh, the the kind of name that I've came up with uh, during that time period for my uh, my ministry, so to say, is Hope for Japan Ministries, and uh, the uh, the the tag and all that designing was done by by a, a close friend of mine, and uh, I just appreciate the work that she did very much on that because it just looks incredible. I, I I have no artistic bone in my body, so <laughs> I couldn't do it. Uh, but thank God he gifts people with special abilities like that uh, to do those things for us. And um, I just I just kind of hit the ground running. I had a plan uh, to be back in Japan uh, by 2022, and <laughs> uh, that didn't go exactly as planned because my host missionaries, uh, they had to come and do uh, deputation, which is where they come and raise funds in the States. Right. And, uh, so he was like, hey, instead of coming for a short half year trip a short six month trip he's like how about we do this how about you raise funds to stay for for a, a year pending on indefinite you know he said and instead of just coming on and working at the church we'll have you work with with us as well but he's like let's put you in language school let's get you equipped with the language and that way we can we can go ahead and tackle this thing because i think he's like if you get a year of language school under your belt you'll know enough the language to be able to interact with the Japanese on their level. And that'll just put you leaps and bounds ahead of where you would be otherwise. And uh, so, you know, after talking with my pastor and with brother Clevenger, we came to the consensus that, yeah, this is a fantastic idea. And so I kind of had to put that on hold when I went to Alaska, uh, not for a bad reason. Uh, like I said, I was working with uh, a good reverend up there and I was, uh, Working with him, we were teaching Bible studies. I was uh, supposed to be full-time teaching Bible studies, and that, that is a tough job. <laughs> um, you know, for any of the listeners out there that you're engaged in Bible studies or you're interested in being engaged in Bible studies, I recommend it. But uh, if, if you want to make it a full-time job, well, Bible studies don't necessarily pay your bills. So <laughs> you might have to be bivocational for a while. So <laughs> just keep that in mind. 
but uh, I spent uh, spent six months. Uh, just just got back uh, um, a couple, actually two weeks ago, uh, from this, and uh, it's just a fantastic time up there. It's it is it is fantastic country. It's it's beautiful. If you ever go to Alaska, it's gorgeous country up there. Uh, they got great people up there. Uh, I was not a fan of the 24 hours of light. I will say that publicly right now. Uh, I know the Bible says that men love darkness, and that is true for me because I like to sleep in darkness. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it was a great time. So, so I'm back now, and um, I just tallied up my fundraising today, and this is fantastic uh, to, to, to tell you guys. I am over halfway. I just need a little bit more fundraising, and I'll be fully funded to go back to the islands uh, coming coming this uh, this this uh, early early ish latest winter January ish hopefully, so praise God for that and uh, you know it's it's just been a fantastic uh, experience all around. Amen. Uh, so first, uh, let's say someone uh, listened to this episode and uh, they want to help you raise those funds. Where would they go? Okay. So uh, something I can do, and you can incorporate this however however you see fit, post it with your podcast or whatever, is uh, I have a link that they can go give to, and that goes directly to my missions account, and I'll give you that link. I'll text it to you after we're done here. But um, if they're really interested in learning more about Japan and learning just how they can support the work in Japan, my Facebook page is Hope for Japan Ministries. That's Hope, the number four, not the word. <laughs> Uh, for Japan Ministries, and uh, we're an apostolic, Pentecostal, 100% holiness, one God-believing uh, ministry. Uh, it is it's primarily myself, but I do have some others that I kind of consult with to help me, and I do I do have a, a young lady that uh, works as my secretary. Thank goodness she does it on a volunteer status because I can't pay, <laughs> you know, um, but it, it's all for the kingdom, and uh, so you can go there. Also, if you go to UPCI. Uh, dot com slash global missions uh, you can navigate to the short-term missions page and you can find my name under there and my partners and missions forms uh, are located on that page and that's another way that people can help me um, i also have a youtube channel under the same name hope for japan ministries and uh, i would really appreciate just people showing their support on there as well it's just uh just great i'm not by no means am i trying to be a youtuber or an influencer uh, it's just something that I started to update people on uh, Japan and the ministry in Japan, and it kind of just evolved into me making videos about the culture, and I even have little shorts about the food treats that I get from Japan, and I taste test them uh, just, just to kind of, you know, have something on there. <laughs> so, but uh, it's it's been a great blessing uh, to do, and I, I appreciate everyone that will listen and uh, will consider supporting, but most of all, uh, we need the support of your prayers. Uh, Japan is a nation of lost and dying people. There's 123 million souls, and less than 2% of them have ever heard of the name of Jesus alone. Wow. And and by our estimations, it's even lower than that that have heard the apostolic message. Wow. So prayers for laborers, just like the Lord prayed in, in the Gospels for laborers. We need laborers in the nation of Japan. Amen. And... Uh... I'll close out with this. Um, you were talking about how, I mean, your your whole sort of theme for, you know, your calling and what you feel God has called you to do. And that it's hope for 
Japan. And I, I think that regardless of where you feel God calling you to go, um, I think there's a pretty clear uh, mandate in Scripture um, that we, you know, we are always to give a reason for the hope that is in us. So, you know, really, really, yeah. no matter where we are as apostolic believers, we are hope dealers. And uh, we have Amen. we have like we have the God of hope. Truly the mm. God of hope. Because yes. what we have in this yeah. life, you know, it, it seems like regardless of what we face, whether it's whether it's, you know, global shutdowns, whether it's stock market crashing, whether it's uh, banking system failure, whether it's global disasters, uh, natural disasters, whatever it is that we're facing, we have a hope of another life outside of this one. And I don't know about yeah. you, bro, but for me, I want to be able to share that hope with every single person that I can. And that's going to start Absolutely. with obeying the voice of God, leading, allowing him to lead me to those people, being sensitive to the Holy Ghost when God is bringing people to us. Because the Bible says that it's the spirit that draws all men. If it's truly the spirit that draws all men, the spirit of God, we have the spirit inside us. Mm -hmm. So naturally, yeah. we ought to be we ought to be drawing people into the kingdom of God. So absolutely. I'm just yeah. so thankful, bro. This has been absolutely incredible. Before we close, somebody's mm -hmm. listened to you talk and then and me sort of sort of gab on a little bit. Forty five minutes. Let's give them something. We'll close it out. Something that you want, you 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 really feel like you just want to impart uh, to the listeners uh, this evening. Well, I'll, uh, I'll say this, and this is what I say to every church I go to to present my burden. Um, you know, we, we truly are a people that deal in the Father's business. You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, companies out there that when they, they get ready to pass the reins, so to speak, the CEO will give it to his son. A lot of churches, uh, ultimately the son or the son-in-law will take over uh, the pastor at some day. And uh, that's, uh, you know, just giving it into the, to the father's business is kind of what we do. Well, we have a heavenly father, uh, you know, bro, and uh, his business is soul business. God cares about every single one of us. The Bible says that it's, it's his will that none should perish. Mm. But by the wickedness of man, we condemn our own selves, the apostle Paul said, to death, you know. But it's our job, and, and I love the way that, that, that the scripture puts it, that the whole world is groaning in anticipation for a reconciliation of all things. We have that ministry of reconciliation. Amen. We have that ministry of hope, each and every one of us. And it doesn't take, it doesn't take you getting on a plane or a boat and going to a foreign country to bring hope. There are lost and dying people right around you, even some of your neighbors, those of you that are listening. You could be listening to this right now in your headphones, someone right next to you is dying in despair and hopelessness and you have living inside of you the god of hope that can take that situation and reconcile them back into his hope and his joy and that's what he's called you to do so if i could just part you know 
put anything into your spirit. What I'd like for all of you to just take away from this whole thing is that we, the Apostolic Pentecostals, as a people, not as an organization, as a movement, we are people of hope. And it is our, God, our, it is our divine right given to us by God to take that hope into a hopeless world. God bless you all as you go and just preach the word as Paul instructed Timothy to do in 2 Timothy 4 and 2. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.